You want to hear a joke? A boy's walking down the hall of his house late at night. He hears screaming coming from his parents' bedroom. He opens the door, and he sees his father wearing nothing but assless chaps on top of his mother wearing a cheerleader outfit. The boy screams. The father turns around. The boy says, what are you doing? The father says, don't worry, son. We're just having a bit of fun. Go back to bed. Later that night, the father walks down the hallway. He hears screaming coming from his son's room. He opens the door, and he sees his son having sex with his grandmother. The father says, what are you doing? The boy turns around and says, it's not so funny when it's your mother, is it? <laughs> oh, that didn't mean that. No, that wasn't. <laughs> the fact that you're giving me the, the, <laughs> Welcome to Sideshow. Um, that's Bob Einstein. And uh, I'm Jacques, and I'm Joe, and and literally, um, it's a it's a sad-ish week with the passing of Super Dave Osborne, a favorite of mine and Joe's, M- more more the more the seventies and eighties stuff, you know. So we're, we 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 decided we'll do a sideshow and focus on what we loved most, Super Dave Osborne. And and Joe just not only did he just tell a Super Dave joke that he did he tell that on Letterman or was that he told that on the Gilbert Gottfried podcast okay. and he also told it at a Curb Your Enthusiasm live panel and what's best is after I hit the wrong button on the sound machine the right one Joe gave one of the great things is when 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 Super Dave would would tell these awful jokes one of the running gags is he would just. Not get the laugh, or 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 Letterman would, or whoever, uh, and and he would just glare at him, just glare. The the, the anytime when the Super Dave appeared on Letterman or any t- panel, he would go on straight. He n- very rarely broke a smile. You know, he was there as the world's greatest stuntman, entertainer, whatever. Stuntman, daredevil. Stuntman, daredevil, entertainer, and he would go on there with an agenda, usually to plug his Showtime special or Showtime series. And whenever Dave would laugh at something that Super Dave said, which was funny, Super Dave wouldn't laugh along. He would stop. He would give him like a deadpan glare, like straight face, like how dare you laugh at the very serious thing that I just said. (laughs) And anytime he would, you know, set up a joke from a book that he had written, he would uh, go into the premise get chuckles from the audience, and give the audience the same exact deadpan stare, like, just stop in mid-sentence. Do you ever buy any of those books, uh, like, of all the collectibles you have here? I don't see any Super Dave Osborne books. You know, I went on Amazon after Bob Einstein died, and I didn't see any for sale. <laughs> and the great thing is, every time he would go on Letterman, he would be plugging his different iterations of the Super Dave show, be it the kid, <laughs> the kids animated show, the Showtime show, but he always had a new book with them, and the book was usually the catalyst to lead into the awful jokes. Right, it was just a device to get to some long-winded, awful <laughs> joke. I'm watching the supercuts of all of David Letterman's appearance. One guy must have like every Super Dave appearance, at least, on videotape. Or every Letterman show on videotape that he culled all of Super Dave's appearances on and put them into these two-hour-each YouTube videos 
of Dave Super Dave's appearances on Letterman from 88 to like 94, 95. And each one had the same formula. Ladies and gentlemen, Super Dave Osborne. Music would play. Super Dave would come out with two packages, usually wrapped gifts. He'd give one to Dave and a similar one to Paul Schaefer, the band leader. He'd sit down, say his introductions, and ask Dave to open a gift. The gift would be opened. It would be, for example, like an elaborate uh, poster board with uh, a message to Dave saying, you know, congratulations on coming to CBS or whatever. And it was all done in pennies, like uncirculated like, rare, pennies. Rare penny, right. They were uncirculated pennies, very well nice. Like, And these are like hundreds of pennies laid out with a long message on a, like a, a three-by-four-foot framed. framed board. And Paul Schaefer got a similar board, same size, <laughs> same black background, with nine pennies on it that read in lowercase letters, Hi. Dead center on the board. <laughs> um, the one that I loved is he came out with three presents, one for Dave, one for Paul, and one for the floor manager. And and this running gag was, you know, Letterman got some, you know, it, it was letters like like he went to a historical gift shop where he got Letterman. It wasn't like a signed copy of the declaration, but it was, it was a letter from like Winston Churchill to Roosevelt. It was signed and lithographed. Paul opens his up, and it's a slinky, and everyone laughs. It's like, oh, that must be uh, Dan Quayle from Dan Quayle. <laughs> and everybody laughs, and, and and Super Dave is pissed because, you know, no, that's actually the first slinky ever made. It was made for Eisenhower's kid as a prototype, and it was really expensive and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, more importantly – Tired of Dan Quayle being the butt of the jokes. You have to respect the office. Just really super pissed off, you know, that the people indignant. Thank you. And then the floor manager opens up like an old school, like, you know, Jack in the box. And he he, he does it. He's turning the crank. And out pops Dan Quayle. (laughs) (laughs) and, And again, I mean, that was a third, if not half the interview was just this. And what I always love is like Dave always is like, wow, this is great. This is thoughtful. I'm going to treasure it. And then just turns and tosses it on the floor to the side. And you can, it's like they mic'd the floor too, because it's like you hear the thud. Like it, 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 it certainly broke. And, uh, but, but, but he never, he never broke it every single time he had. Like I said, the book, and it would be... Well, I'm not here to plug anything. But one of his books was like, racist jokes aren't funny. And he wrote this ethnic whole... Jokes. Ethnic jokes. wrote this whole book about ethnic jokes uh, to compile them just to show you how unfunny they are. When the public gets to read all these jokes, and they're not laughing at them, and they'll realize that ethnic jokes are not funny. Now, here's an example. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, it's like, it's 2019, and it's us... Neither one are Jewish. Neither one of us are Don Rickles. We can't tell these jokes anymore. It's like, even by those standards, it's... I don't think Bob Einstein could tell those jokes, <laughs> but he did. And so, but the, the, the meter of his appearances were always the same. They would get through uh, the book and the presence. There would always be that, those indignant pauses every time uh, Dave laughs at something that Super Dave said. But then they would always inevitably go to a clip. Now... For some reason, Letterman got a hold of the clip that was not meant for air. You know, oh, well, you know, we filmed this. I was supposed to jump from the top of the CN Tower 
in Toronto. Uh, but, you know, there were some complications with the wind that day, so we decided to bail on it. So we're going to refilm it. So I don't want to show you what we've filmed. I don't know how you got a hold of it. I'm sure the audience doesn't want to see it. <laughs> yeah, it was always that. Always aching on the audience. The audience doesn't want to hear a uh, joke. Right, the audience does, isn't interested in this. And then uh, the audience would roar, and then they would just cut to... The clip of him standing at the top, literally at the top at, of the CN Tower, at, le at least convincingly so. And then, you know, he's up there with his announcer, and his announcer's like, oh, you know, I'm glad, you know, we're off, we, we stopped tape, but I'm glad we're not going through with it, because this would have been a very dangerous stunt. And so the, man, the announcer says, okay, I'll meet you downstairs, opens the door to get into the tower, and accidentally bumps into <laughs> Super Dave, and you see probably the shittiest Super shittiest, Dave dumb, dummy. Shittiest. Fall literally from the top of the CN Tower, and they fall. They're they're following this, like you know, like it's I mean, if my, if my eight year old had to go outside and, and take a Super Dave shirt and pants and just stuff it with leaves, he would have done a better job. I think the Forrest Gump feather fell with yeah. more conviction than Super Dave did. But then I always forgot that one of the things that he would always say to his announcer or his interviewer at the end of every stunt is like. You know what? You're a putz. <laughs> Get out of here, you putz. But I, I said this to you before when we were talking about Super Dave earlier, is that my father is an older... He was an immigrant to this country from the great land of the Azores, the islands off of Portugal. Uh, he came here in the late 50s, learned English. Um, did, did he? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, just enough to understand that Super Dave Osborne was the funniest guy on late-night television. Now, thinking back on it, I didn't bond with my father on a lot of things growing up. But one thing that we he would cry, screaming, red-faced, laughing at the, the antics of Super Dave. And we're talking about the Letterman appearances, but it were probably the most famous and world-renowned Super Dave bit. I don't know if we want to get to it yet. Go right ahead. What are we saving for? Is uh, the uh, King of the Road. When he is on top of that tour bus with a piano... And the lounge set up at the top. I forget what the premise of why he was on the, the, the tour bus. I don't know if it was just launching, like, I'm, I'm going on tour with my bus, and this is how we're going to, you know, kick off the maiden voyage. Well, he was suggesting, you know, this is a great way to see it. You know, be out in the fresh air, suggesting you do this. If right. You strap a couch to the top of your car. <laughs> And just Trailer see how it's for, for sale. sale. <laughs> and he would, yeah, so they would play King of the Road, the first verse, and he'd lip sync while he's pretending to play this upright piano. It's all white. He's decked out in his white jumpsuit and, and helmet. And, you know, the most perfect ending to any skit ever was just seeing the bus come toward the camera and then eventually zoom past the camera through a tunnel <laughs> that was not tall enough to clear Super Dave and his piano. <laughs> Which was even now, I just swept off of the roof of the the bus, but just like king of the road, because <laughs> <laughs> they have two or three clips of him going down the road from different sides, and it's like yeah, you had like almost like drone shots back in like 1988, but that was played on Carson. Oh, and it was m my father. I think that was the day I first gave him mouth to mouth resuscitation because he was laughing so hard he almost died of laughter. So that's my memory of Super Dave Osborne and. Also, the Bizarre Show with John Biner. I don't know if we want to get into that. Yeah, why not? I mean... You want to wait till later? So we, um, <laughs> you want to hear a joke? <laughs> want to hear a joke? You don't want to hear a joke. 
I'll have a Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it, staying on that same clip, we didn't have cable growing up. So I knew of Super Dave through the syndication on Channel 56. In Boston. And I remember the night seeing that clip. It hurt. Like it was one of, there's a couple nights I, I remember, we've talked about other bits, waking up the house. Just absolutely waking up the entire house because couldn't stop laughing. It hurt so much. I don't, I, I honestly, here's the, here's the stupid thing. I didn't see it coming. Like somebody who lived on cartoons didn't see the most cartoony thing coming. Of course, that was going to be the payoff because it was wide open road. Like there was, there wasn't even a like. I think the the sign said next sign fifty miles. <laughs> like it was that wide open of a road and landscape. All of a sudden, there's like a tunnel into a mountain. Like it's just like where did this come from? Yeah, that was killer. So the the man himself, Super Dave. We'll talk a little bit about his origin story, as we'll call it. Son of a comedian and an actress who, you know, met. Um, Dad was not a big actor, but he did. He did a bunch of small roles in the '30s. Dad didn't get into comedy full time till his early '30s. Was a, a local furniture advertisement guy in Boston, mid thir- early '30s. Went from just being a comedian that people would have come to their house parties to, you know, performing on stage. Uh, dies, tra- <laughs> dies, tra- and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing the story he that died he told doing what he loved. <laughs> you know, if your mother died doing well, the dishes. Well, we were kind of jumping around. So his father, what was his father's name? Harry Einstein. And also know it as a character named Park Your Carcass. Which, which he legally tried to change his name to that and couldn't. So he was, you know, this well-known comics comic. He, uh, at the ripe old age of 57 or 52, he's at the Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz roast, which I think was at the Friars Club? At the Friars Club. He gets up there. He does what many called in the performance of his life, the best public performance that he's ever given and to anybody's recollection that has ever seen him do comedy. And he sits down, and Milton Berle says, now why don't you have a TV series? And Harry Einstein looks over and he goes, yeah, why is that, Milton? And then, like, leans his head into Milton Berle and closes his eyes. You know, at first, Milton Berle's like, <laughs> you know, come on. And then all of a sudden, it's like silence. And it's like, oh, my God. You know, something's wrong. Literally asked if there's a doctor in the house. Yes. And, and he's like, no, I'm serious. Yeah, and he dies. So he took a massive heart attack. He had a history of heart disease, apparently. So people are coming up to him. After the fact and saying, at least he died doing what he loved. <laughs> Bob Einstein's like, you know, what does your dad do? <laughs> what does your mother do? Mother do. do. Uh, yeah, she's a housewife. So if, if she died doing the dishes, would you feel okay if somebody said, well, at least she died doing something she loved? I'm going to go to your house and blow your mother's brains out while she's doing the dishes so, so you can say she at least died doing what she loved. He was 14, and his brother... Little nobody named... A regular Einstein. A regular Einstein. Albert Einstein. Uh, Otherwise known as Albert Brooks, um, who, by the way, he didn't write, but... Have you ever seen Lost in America? No. It's my favorite Albert Brooks thing ever. It's probably my favorite Gary Marshall role, like, in it. It's a small role. Great movie. But anyways... uh, He's still alive, so we're not going to talk about Albert Brooks right now. Oh, I thought you meant Gary Marshall. No, no, I'm like, no. nope, <laughs> missed no. that boat. Uh, yeah, he's having a family reunion with his sister. Yeah, pennies in heaven. Too soon. Oh, <laughs> see what you've done there. Um, so, anyways, 
but Bob, uh, Super Dave. Let's not let's yeah, not let's Bob stick with Super Dave. You know, he he swears off. He's never going to get into show business, but he got in really early. I forget the project that there was a bunch of young comics worked on some pilot that didn't get picked up that the Smothers Brothers saw loved and hired all of them and they were like the youngest writing crew uh who who did they pair him off with steve Martin. how fucked up is that can you imagine what are they like 22 23 years old sharing a writer's room together uh on the smothers brothers show so the smothers brothers huge show huge success really you know we won't get down the whole thing you know but fought the vietnam war got pulled off the network because they wouldn't stop going after Nixon, even though the show was wildly popular, they had guest appearances from everybody because people were coming to them saying, I want to be on your show. Yeah, just just the network was too afraid of sponsors and the backlash pulled off a very, very successful, wildly popular show. He wasn't just a writer on the uh, Smothers Brothers show. No, he had a character. I forget what show the character started with. What did it start on the Smothers Brothers? Uh, Officer Judy. Yeah. It was just the motorcycle cop. And I, I, you know, I didn't, I was way too young to even watch. I mean, I wasn't alive when the Smothers Brothers came out. You don't see a lot of Smothers Brothers stuff being aired. I don't you really even, should. Yeah. But you can catch them on YouTube, though. Uh, there's like a bit where Liberace's playing the piano really fast. The ladies, man, Liberace. Yes, you know, women loved him. <laughs> and he, all of a sudden you hear the siren of a motorcycle and then the revving of the engine. And yeah, he's playing the minute waltz too fast. Right. Well, the, the the gag is that he pulls up next to Liberace and on this motorcycle, he's got the motorcycle cop uh, uniform on, the helmet, and he stands up and he goes, you have any idea how fast you were playing? <laughs> And uh, you know, writes him a ticket, reaches inside the piano and pulls out some, you know, Jack Daniels. <laughs> and it's like, if you're gonna drink, don't play. If you're gonna play, don't drink. That I forget how the origin of Officer Judy came about, but in later, you know, interviews, they said, yeah, we basically used Officer Judy to end a sketch that we didn't have an ending to. He <laughs> just Officer Judy would ride in and end the sketch. Uh, so that was a, a, another long one, and then along the way. He develops what what became what became his career as Super Dave Osborne, and he was the darling of like the late night circuit. Well, you're going a little too fast here. Are you, do you understand? Do you know how fast you're podcasting? <laughs> Go on. You're, before we get off his variety show writing career. Oh yes, yes. Can a man relax? <laughs> <laughs> he not only wrote for, he produced the Red Fox like Comedy Hour or whatever. Yeah, the Red Fox show. What was it? The first episode, they had the stage set up where it looked like tenement housing. And then, you know, you hear the drum roll. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, Red Fox. And then the tenement housing panels would rotate to reveal the letters R-E-D-D. And out was supposed to walk Red Fox. Did not walk out. No, did not. Stop tape. Bob Beinstein goes back to his dressing room, knocks on the door. Yeah, who is it? It's Bob. Opens the door. And he sees Red Fox. How? Well, uh, the makeup lady was there. Oh. And Red Fox was there. But you couldn't really see Red because he was underneath the makeup lady's dress, um, eating at the Y. <laughs> <laughs> and so he goes, you know, we're on. We're, we're, we're going live. You're Mr. Q. And Red Fox pulls the dress up over his head, looks at Bob straight in the face and goes, Can a man relax? <laughs> 
I guess Red Fox was Chris Rock in my impersonation. <laughs> was, was completely drunk, coked out, and fucking the entire time. Like every single meeting, every single show, and Bob has nothing but awesome things to say. He said one, when he was on, he was on. He said the only time like Red ever really gave him a hard time was he had a live studio audience and the actual studio audience only got to see about 20 minutes of taping because the rest was pre, pre-canned stuff. But they had to sit there for like two or three hours. So Bob made the mistake of saying to Red, it's like, hey, can you go out there and, you know, maybe tell a couple of jokes to these people? You (laughs) remember hearing that story? And Red really wasn't thrilled with the idea of doing it. So he goes out there and he just starts talking the most. And it's it's. You know, it's the, the the early 70s, it's the mid-70s, it's families, it's all this stuff. It's a primetime network special. They were not expecting the late 50s party album version of Red Fox walking out. <laughs> if I knew it was going to be that kind of party, I would have put my dick in the you know, mashed potatoes <laughs> you know, type thing. Uh, so, you know, one, one of the other things. What did he do? Yeah, he. Uh, Can't read your writing there. No, no, I was trying to think what he did. He won the Emmy for the Dick Van Dyke Variety Show. Yeah, Van Dyke and Company. Um, He did a lot of things. My favorite thing is when he does get the Super Dave show and he reaches out and he goes, I know it's not going to happen, but he wanted a big musical guest and he calls Ray Charles. Did you see the Ray Charles bit? Yeah. And the great thing is it was Ray Charles' idea. Well, he he, he, like, no, well, I guess how it went is. Bob Einstein, Super Dave, calls uh, Ray Charles's agent or whatever, asks, you know, I know it's a long shot, and I know the answer is no, but I'm a big fan of Ray, and I was just hoping, praying that maybe if he's available, he could come on this new show of mine and just, you know, do a number or something. Agent goes, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. And so days go by, and all of a sudden he gets a phone call from Ray Charles's agent and says, he said he'll do it, but only on one condition. Super Dave's like, oh, okay, I know this is a catch, but whatever. What is it? He says, he'll only do the song if he can also appear in a sketch. <laughs> a stunt. A stunt. A stunt. Yeah. And, and, and to hear you know, Bob Einstein tell this story, he says it was the greatest phone call he ever got. Like, he in a million years, he wouldn't wish that high to have Ray Charles be in a stunt with him. And the fact that it was Ray's idea, the show lasted six years. Every single year, Ray did an appearance and came up and did a stunt. Every wow. single year. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because I only seen the one. But look it up, Ray Charles and Super Dave on YouTube. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Uh, again, you know, it's always real stunt people or just mannequins getting hurt. But there have been a couple stunts. I'm forgetting the stunt where, you know, Super Dave was worried. You know, Bob Einstein was worried about kind of like a blowback from something. And he actually got hurt. And he, you know, he said to the stunt coordinator, he's like, are you sure this is safe? Was it the wrecking ball? Yeah, it's a wrecking ball. What was behind him? It was like a, this, this like $25,000 structure. And he didn't get hurt during this one, but he was supposed to get hit by this wrecking ball. And it was supposed to come at him. And it's a fake wrecking ball or whatever. You know, there was some sort of miscommunication or like some lack of assurance. You know, he got he talked to the guy who was supposed to man the wrecking ball. It's like, are you sure this is going to work? Are you sure you know what you're doing? Are you sure this and that? Yes, yes, yes. And he pushes the wrecking ball toward him. I think I'm telling the story right. And it's 
clears him like just a bit outside <laughs> and hits this structure, structure. that cost $25,000 to build, destroys it. They have to spend like another $25,000. Two days of production and, yeah, loss. Yeah, exactly. And him just, you know, yelling his fucking, you know, screaming at the top of his lungs at this guy who's supposed to hit him with a wrecking ball. And the guy says, yeah, that will happen. <laughs> you know, like, like, what do you want from me? Now, I talked about Super Dave's announcer who was always on hand to report on Super Dave's latest stunt. Who else was also on hand during these stunts? Fuji. Oh. It, it, the it Japanese kinda, guy. Kind of his Kato. Yes. Kind of an akin to, to the Kato... Uh, Inspector Clouseau. Exactly. You know, right. The, 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 but he green, was Green Arrow and very. He was a Japanese guy who laid on the Japanese pretty thick. It always assured him that the stunts were going to be. This is going fine. They're going to work. <laughs> <laughs> we should ask Biff about. It. <laughs> um, I, I do wish Biff was here. Uh, more than normal because uh, he's in town. Because, and, and also, Super David War always wore a white hat, baseball hat with the word letters SD, SD on, on it. Fuji always wore a blue hat with the word Fuji on it <laughs> in white letters. <laughs> it was so. Everything post the piano you saw coming. There was no twists or surprises in the comedy. None. But like Wiley Coyote. You laughed every Hysterically. time. It always paid off. Now, I remember one. He's going to hang glide in or parachute into the... With the fan on his back. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and just misses the mark, crashes into the building. He didn't miss the mark. He just sort of came in a little too hot. <laughs> Let's just say he came in a little too hot. You know, um, and, and again... But then, you know what's also added to the funniness is that... All right. You see Super Dave like yards and yards away in the sky, but somehow he's perfectly mic'd because you can hear his commentary. <laughs> he's having the back and forth discussion with the announcer like they're standing next to each other. All right, we're coming in. You're going to have to move. Move out of the way. All right, I'm coming in a little too hot. All right, here I go. All right, well, look out. Crash. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't not giggle, but the Super Dave... You know, I was tallying it up, made appearances on 18 different shows, whether it's Carson to Letterman, other late night shows, uh, variety shows, as Super Dave, and had two different, two completely different series with it, plus a couple different one-off specials. That was a one-trick pony that, man, did he get miles out of. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess now we could kind of segue into his later years, where briefly... You know, because, I mean, unless you have more to say about Super uh, Dave. Well, yeah. Super Dave actually got a couple commercials in the 80s, too. He was in a couple Nike commercials mm. and a series of Hanes. You know, uh, is, is Hanes clothing still a thing? Because, oh, yeah. oh that's a bummer. Michael, Michael Jordan has Hanes. We, 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 we could have had them as a funk sponsor at one point. No way in hell, man. With, with, well, I mean, with the Super Dave bump, the thing <laughs> <laughs> that there's no way that uh, that they don't have generational wealth uh, to, to 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 feed off of, but yes, now we can talk about the later stuff. But he will always be Super Dave in our hearts. Yeah, and so another generation of comedy fans know him post 2000 as uh, Marty Funkhauser, the 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 friend of Larry David on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Norm Macdonald recently tweeted about Dave. Or about comedy in general, like it's always sad when you see a comedian who was at their funniest at their youth, and as they got older, would just not be funny. And Bob Einstein was the exact opposite. He only got funnier as he got older. 
that's what his appearances on Curb Your Enthusiasm were like. They were all improvised. They had a certain premise, but, you know, it was just Bob Einstein's genius. And, you know, he had that same sort of, like, sticky, you know, he played a, a, I think he played like, he played like a more, like, uh, devout Jewish guy, you know, or overtly Jewish guy. And there's one particular episode, which was fantastic. Did you ever see the Palestinian chicken thing of Curb Your Enthusiasm? So, Larry David and Jeff Garland, his manager... They're about to go into this Palestinian restaurant. You know, they're both Jewish guys, but this, they heard this chicken was fantastic. And, you know, they know that the Palestinians aren't going to discriminate. But they're hesitant. It's like, do we really want to... Uh, we heard a lot about this chicken. Are we really going to go in there? Whatever. Well, we're meeting Marty here any for, for lunch. Marty Funkhauser, Bob Einstein, comes out. And he's also Jewish, but he's wearing a yarmulke. And uh, Jeff Collins like, oh, no, you're not going in there with that. With what? With that yarmulke, you got to take that off. I'm not taking off my yarmulke. I'm a, very, I'm a proud Jew. And Larry doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of all the Palestinians at the restaurant. And he's like, no, 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 you're taking off that. You're taking that off now. And they get into like a tussle. And Larry David grabs the yarmulke off of Bob Einstein's head, off of Marty's head. And now he's pissed at Marty. He, Larry David's just like, get out of here. And he's like throwing the yarmulke at him. And just, just get out of here. And everybody in the Palestinian restaurant, who happens to be Palestinian, is at the window watching this guy tell a guy with a yarmulke to get out of here. <laughs> and they walk in afterwards to a round of applause. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, no, I, I didn't watch much uh, Curve because uh, fuck Larry David. And, um, but I did see, you know, Bob Einstein was also had a recurring character on Arrested Development, which my little guy just started watching. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he did. Uh, also, later, it was still the Super Day, but you were talking about the unaired pilot that uh, Schmeigel did trying to re-erect, re-resurrect. Resurrect, thank you. Um, Hollywood no, Squares. No match game. Shut it. <laughs> Same shit, right? Uh, yeah, there was an unaired pilot of Match Game made for uh, in the basic cable in 2008. And the set is identical to the 70s set. And it was hosted by Andy Daly, who's in those CarMax commercials now. He uh, And the panel made, it was made up of Super Dave Osborne, um, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall, Sarah Silverman, Rashida Jones. Wow, uh, back then. Yeah. It was like 2008. It's only okay. 10 years ago. And... Um, uh, Norm Macdonald and Nisi Nash from Reno 911. Yeah, but Super Dave was telling like some really like off color jokes. Like he wasn't even trying to match the contestants. <laughs> uh, probably why the show didn't get picked up is a lot of the comedians didn't get the concept that they're not there to put out the most off the wall answers to the setups of the obvious jokes versus trying to match the contestants so that they can, you know, win money, you know, kind of like a game show. But uh, he was funny on that as well. Charlie Sheen's friends wanted something Charlie's never seen before for his bachelor party, so instead of a stripper, they got him a blank. A priest? A priest! They got him a priest! Super Dave, it almost looks like you're writing there, but I know you're not cheating. Kalila has said priest. Let's see if anybody else has that. very close to priest, so I hope the judges accept it. I said 15 strippers out of a cake and a little person. 15 strippers out of a cake? No! That must have been a hard one for the judges to decide whether that's technically that, a match with priests. But the priest. little person was a priest. Uh, you're gambit. Give her you're the point. You're supposed to be helping. Yeah. You're supposed to be thinking about what they might say and yeah. say that. Yeah. This is a real that's fight. Yeah. This is... It's not about yeah. 
That was my best. What did you put? What did you put in? I put Super Dave's wife Berta's labia minora. Wait a minute. I tried. She's trying. Wait a minute. Let's just move on. It's a wonderful compliment. He did do Hollywood Squares, though, at Super Dave. Pro- oh, we, yeah, like in the 80s, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we brushed over. Oh, we didn't brush over. We didn't talk about it. His relationship with Letterman was long-running and great. He's also had a long-running relationship with uh, with Norm. You know, he did the different iterations of Norm shows. Yeah, he was uh, interviewed for Norm's, you know, YouTube show a couple of years ago. Basically, like the Gilbert podcast. It's the same kind of. And he cadence. was just brutal. The same, like, and it's great because you know he was always very disrespectful to Paul. He was always very disrespectful to uh, to, uh, what, to Adam to, to, to Adam. He was On always Norm McDonald show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that that was kind of one of his bit. And then he was really awful to Frank Sandra Padre. <laughs> you know how yeah. many names do you have? Right? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, I see Gilbert's reading the paper. <laughs> you know, yeah, you can tell how interested he is. You know what the fuck is this? <laughs> the cheapest show I've ever been on. This is like if somebody set up. Uh, followed somebody into the bathroom and then handed them a microphone. I don't know. Did he have... Was he battling something for a long time before? They didn't really get into what kind of cancer, but, I mean, I don't think he had cancer during the Gilbert podcast, which was just two years ago. And the Gilbert podcast, which... It's Gilbert Gottfried's... Uh, amazing colossal amazing. podcast. Look it up. Uh, he reposted. If you find him on Twitter, which you can't not find him on Twitter, he reposted it different ways. It was just before the election, and it was great. It was really great. But yeah, it was just two years ago, and he was active doing stuff. It so. might have been something like pancreatic or cancer. It's one of those cancers, just like uh oh, here it comes, and you can't stop it, and it's coming fast. Too bad he didn't die doing some comedy. Right, he could have died doing <laughs> what he loved, getting <laughs> smashed by a bulldozer. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was it it's it it's it's sad when something like this happens. But I, I, I probably digested a good three to four hours of his clips, content, the podcast, uh the YouTube stuff, old clips from the show. N- never disappoint. And it's it's always the same character, you know? Yeah, it's but just like like I said, like a cartoon character. You see the jokes coming, and you're grateful that they came. Right. Uh, yeah, there's there, there's no singing set, with, with the exception of the piano thing, which, again, in retrospect, how did I not see coming? Like, right. how, 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 how was I? I mean, I was younger and more stupid. I was stupider? Stupider? Yeah, Is that stupider. Word, stupider? Yeah. yeah, for you. But yeah. also, as a little bonus clip, look up uh, Kevin Pollack and Dave Coulier oh. doing Albert Brooks and Bob Einstein. It's a three-minute clip, and it's... Bob Einstein being interviewed by Albert Brooks, and uh, it's just you know it's it's was it's, that ca- was that a cable access clip because it sure the hell yeah, I think so. well I think it was like a local it was like KCLA or something I, I mean I, I mean the production people over at uh, Between Two Ferns yeah exactly. looked at that and said wow what a set <laughs> right I think they only had one fern on that set <laughs> I I, th- I think I think that pretty much sums it up I think so too so rest in peace Bob Einstein you will be missed. Uh, say hi to my dad for me. <laughs> and Penny Marshall. <laughs> Penny's in heaven. Uh, boo. I said the joke earlier. I wow. know. I'm booing you for putting that joke in my... <laughs> like, I... They were still booing you when I was on stage. <laughs> um, but, but it's it's fun. And, and again, what, like, you know, Joe had sent it to me and I 
quickly turned around and forwarded to a few people the clip from YouTube because, as you said, watch us now before somebody pulls it down. Right. It's it's gold and uh, long live Super Dave Osborne, and um, and that's uh, that's it. I'm not um, I, I, I I I'm not here to plug anything. I just want to you know make sure that people know that ethnic jokes are are not funny. You, do you want to hear a joke? <laughs> you, they don't want to hear a joke. Yay! <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. Don't forget. Have a great week. See you next week. Trailer for sale. <laughs> Rooms to let 50 cents. No phone, no food, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes. Two hours of pushing broom visor. Eight for twelve four bedroom. I'm a man of means by morning. Gate of the road. Third box car, midnight train. Remember, if you're going on a vacation, put a couch on your car. Give this a try. It's sensational fun. I don't pay no union dues, I smoke gross dogies I have found short but not too big. Later <laughs> means by no means, king of the road.